is Monster Manual Mash. This is the podcast where we dive into every creature in the 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons Monster Manual. We go entry by entry, we read some of it out loud, we analyze what's there, we try to determine how the makers of that book want you to use the monsters, how they work mechanically, how they work in your brain, what the pitch of the monster is, what the hook is, what's the idea behind them, and a little bit about where they come from in myth or folklore or in the weird little perverted heads of the people that made the little margin drawings, and, and then whatever else we come up with, all to help get the maximum amount out of those monsters and make a good game, right? That's what we do. Yeah. 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 Squeeze all the monster juice out of those monsters and distill it. Yeah. Squeeze them real hard. Uh, I'm Chris. And I'm Wes. And we are talking about fungus. Hell yeah. <laughs> kind of uh, excited slash uh, nervous about this one because it's such a uh, benign, it's a commonplace thing. It, it's the It's like if there was like a toe jam entry in this or something or like goop (laughs) goop is a monster, you know? Yeah. But let's see how the game does it. So we have two pages, one of description and some illustration and the other one with three stat blocks for three different monsters under fungi, which is great. So we have taking the place of plants in the subterranean realm fungi are vital to the survival of many underground species providing nourishment and shelter they spawn in organic matter they break it down for feeding and they typically appear on filth and corpses and then eventually they eject spores to grow more fungi since in the underdark has no sunlight or warmth they thrive in every corner of that underground realm They are transformed by the magic that permeates the Underdark, so they develop defense mechanisms or abilities of mimicry and attack. The biggest species of them create forest-like ecosystems. So that's what all the, that that page kind of boils down to. Um, And then the three individual fungi creatures we have are gas spores, shriekers, and violet fungus. They don't get into what the biggest species are, the ones that make forest-like ecosystems. So any of the, like the benign, non-combatant mushrooms, yeah, you can invent on your own. But it's pretty easy to uh, to do that with a little bit of googling. But I prepared some. Um, we'll get into a bit to maybe jump off from there. Uh, so when we get into the gas spore first, do you know the gas spore? A little bit. Never like encountered or used one. No, it it requires like a whole a whole setup. So the first gas spores are thought to be spawned from dead beholders, where the moldering corpse feeds a parasitic fungus with aberrant magic, and then having long since adapted into a unique plant creature, a gas spore grows quickly and purposefully out of any corpse, creating a malevolent-looking mockery of the most feared denizen of the Underdark. So you have a really condensed kind of uh, biological explanation, uh, a Darwinian explanation, to explain why a fungus looks like a beholder. Yeah. And I I do, I don't know, there's something that I kind of like about the, whatever is decomposing a beholder, it's not like, you're not, it's not, it's not going to be like a regular situation, you know? Yeah, because there's there potentially that they are just made out of dreams. Yeah. So whatever eats that is going to be kind of messed up by itself. You could even, um, like, it doesn't have to be a parasite, although a parasite isn't a bad idea, but, like, a gas spore could be, like, one phase of a beholder's life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, before they mature. Or after, if they get really old, they turn into a gas spore. Oh yeah, and what? And also, like with a, with beholder logic, is if they get really old, but they're like worried about losing their faculties in their old age, yeah. that 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 would gas sporeify them, you know? Because they they kind of have like a beholders have that weird like, uh, uh, imagining things into existence thing going on with them, right? 
Yeah. So I could see, uh, like that having, you know, that being a factor. Do Do you mean like they've imagined themselves into becoming a gas spore by like? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Sort of like if you just keep having like I don't know. <laughs> I'm imagining I I'm, I, you know, a, a sort of situation where like a beholder is like, well, I'm the greatest thing that's ever existed, right? I'm a beholder. I can like shoot all kinds of crazy shit from my eyes. Nothing can stop me. But wait, what if I, what if I grow old and decay and lose my powers and I start to, you know, and then that that thoughts will manifest itself in reality. So it's like an intrusive thought. Yeah. Which is something that I imagine would be a concern for something like a beholder, but I guess their 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 powers kind of come from their insanity. So, yeah, it would just it would spawn basically hazards in its in its lair for other people yeah. to deal with, right? But yeah, like a gas spore as the personification of a fear made manifest is good. Um, I'll read more about the gas spore. We can we can remix it up even more. A gas spore is a spherical balloon-like fungus, resembles a beholder from a distance. It possesses a blind central eye and rhizome growth sprouting from its upper surface, superficially resembling the eye stalks. Uh, the gas spore is a hollow shell filled with a lighter-than-air gas that enables it to float as a beholder does. Piercing the shell with even the weakest attack causes the creature to burst apart, releasing a cloud of deadly spores. A creature that inhales the spores becomes host to them and is often dead within a day. Its corpse then becomes the spawning ground from which new gas spores arise. And here's, the, here's one of the best parts. A gas spore that sprouts from a beholder's corpse sometimes carries within it memories of its deceased parent. When the gas spore explodes, its deadly spores cast those memories adrift. Any creature that inhales the spores and survives inherits one or more of the beholder's fragmented memories, and might gain useful information about the beholder's former lair and other nearby places and creatures of interest. Oh, man. So there you have uh, yeah. a built-in um, connection, a hook into the rest of a location-based adventure or something. Or, or the basis for, like, a really bonkers library. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that because, so the, the way the uh, gas bore works, the death burst... It's pretty severe. It's a con save, or you die. It's a pretty high con save, too. Or you die in D12 hours, plus your constitution modifier. Damn. Oh, so you just know it's coming, too. Yeah. And the only way to get rid of it is uh, to remove disease. So you need, like, a spell or a scroll or some other some other way of removing the disease. But with, with this wording, like, you could justify somebody with, like, a negative con modifier just outright dying right away if they roll too low. Yeah. I think it's the most, it's like the deadliest thing in the game that I can think of. Like if you roll 12, then you're probably fine. You can probably get out of there and find a remove disease spell or get out and rub some berries on it. If you roll a high enough survival or something, if your team will let you do that. Totally. But like the only, the only other things that are that scary are like certain spells like finger of death or power word kill or like if a like if a like a illithid gets their chompers on your head you know but like very few things are just like yeah you you die yeah or i guess there's getting punched by a high level monk with the quivering palm there's that too what does that do um let me find out exactly what that does but basically it's like the that the capstone ability of the op- way of the open palm monk, and uh, uh, it does an obscene amount of damage. Um, but after the monk, that let me let me find what it actually does. Let me find that instead of just uh, sort of paraphrasing it here, and then quivering palm. Um, you gain the ability to set up lethal vibrations in someone's body. When you hit a creature with an unarmed strike, you can spend key points um, to cause imperceptible vibrations in their body, um, which last for a number of days equal to your monk level. The vibrations are harmless unless you use your action to end them. To do so, the target must be on the same plane of existence. When you do this, um, they make a constitution, constitution saving throw, and if they fail, they take 10d10 necrotic damage, which is a lot of damage. Not like instant 10D10. kill necessarily, but 10d10, right? But they hit you with a quivering palm and then 
you're vibrating and then they just decide when to stop the vibrations and you take that damage. It's pretty hardcore, but a uh, fungus can do something similar. <laughs> as dangerous as a hand. Also, I love the ability, the idea though, like I know that the, they've got the built-in sort of backstory for this, um, the, 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 the why these gas spores come into being, but you know, there's all kinds of examples in nature of mimicry, and I like the idea of it's so it wants you to attack it so that it can spread its spores, right? Because that's what helps it spread. So it looks like a monster that adventurers would want to kill because that's how it spreads its spores, right? Like it yeah. looks like a beholder, so that advent- adventurers will cause like it's like they're the they're the pollinators almost. My one argument against that right. is that um, beholders are so dangerous that yeah. I think people are more likely to run away from them. That's true. You know? Yeah, it would make more sense. It was like a little cobalt or something. Yeah, something a little kind of helpless and and like a yeah, like a little cobalt holding a big bag. Yeah, or like a like a rude goblin. I think all goblins are rude. Yeah. Something else you could do with the gas wars is not um, limit yourself to making them look like beholders. Anything can be a gas war in this in yeah. like. Like mimic style. It's like a biological mimic. Yeah. But not sentient like a like a doppelganger. Yeah. Although <laughs> I do love the idea. They can look like anything, but they still are like weird and floaty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this Maybe is they like used I... to be, and then uh through process of elimination, only the ones that look like things that can actually float have survived because everyone oh, else yeah. has been quickly yeah. uh, disposed of. Yeah, everything else got selected against. But that'd be a really good um, trap. Just have like a floating guy <laughs> not responding to anything, no stimulus, just kind of like looking at you dumbly. And then the first person to like do the slightest amount of damage to it just gets it. Oh, he just pops and everyone gets poisoned. That's horrifying. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I'm imagining just like sort of kind of bouncing against the corner like a helium balloon. <laughs> yeah. And then whatever they infect, um, just like that body becomes the next gas spore. Yeah. And also, when, wait, and thus I misunderstood this. When you're infected, you also get some of the memories of the thing that the spore yeah. was mimicking. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, do the memories, is it only the spore that exploded on you gives you the memories or do you get like a chain? Of memories. I think you'd be in your right to say you get like a whole chain. Yeah. And that's that's a good bit too, because you get to make up like psychedelic descriptions of the rest of the dungeon or like bits of history. You can give hints about other yeah. things going on, magic items, secret rooms, or just like yeah, make up crazy shit so that you amp up the paranoia. Yeah. Imagine that as a framing device for like uh, uh, an anthology style run of a D&D campaign. It was like, okay, we, we, got, we got temporary characters for like one-off sessions and each session <laughs> is a memory layer uh, where you like relive the last memories of the other people that died to this thing. That'd be a lot of work, but that would be cool. Yeah, that's a great fr- uh, campaign framework. And it's because it's sort of like an anthology. Of course, you would run into the problem of like, you always know that you end by getting exploded by the the fungus yeah so there'd be, have to be a way to deal with that when like maybe a player uh finds a way to avoid that but then maybe i don't know then maybe that causes a time paradox and that starts a new whole adventure hook there's all kinds of things yeah because that's that's the slippery nature of um of like fungus uh trips yeah you're not you're not merely uh looking at history you are like slipping through dimensions Possibly. Yeah. So I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of talk about how crazy mushrooms are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's almost a kind of it's kind of magic about them, you know? There is something potentially magic about them. Yeah. I like the idea of uh the library too. Because here's something. So the thing the thing about the the like sudden death, the possible um big danger from the spores is that that might be too cruel for a typical fifth edition group yeah because i'm like you know, we, we've talked about it before and we're both fans of like maybe an older school 
treatment of things where like things are a little more dangerous and your character can get messed up in uh different ways yeah and i like to i like to play my characters like a like a like a stolen car you know (laughs) yeah yeah but um the the game doesn't necessarily reward that kind of behavior at least the way it's like it's presented in the book and especially like people that uh don't have podcasts about it and don't think about it every moment of the day um there's just a lot of tools to make a character and invest a lot of time and energy into making a character and you don't want to just have them be able to be killed uh with like one lucky roll or one unlucky roll yeah you know so i think you should you should add it's fine to have like a dangerous thing but you need to add a warning or something they need to be given the chance to equip themselves with like remove disease spells or at least to know where they can get them quickly yeah or something yeah but I, I did think of a situation where you could entice people to voluntarily burst open a gas bore and it would be in a sort of library situation but like let's say the library is flooding or is otherwise becoming uh dangerous somehow the walls are coming down and there's a secret way out but in order to do that you have to learn secret knowledge only available from one of the many jars of gas spore spore and you have to like break them open and inhale them and and just pray you get the right memory oh yeah pray you get the right memory and pray you get enough time to deal with it after yeah yeah and then you have to race against the clock to get out of there yeah because i think you got to split the difference of like if you warn them ahead of time, they're going to have a bunch of removed disease spells, and then there's no yep. danger. But when you can, when you can entice, when you can nudge players into making dangerous choices, that's where it gets like the most interesting. Yeah, yeah. I also thought it would be a good way to extract memories from anyone. Like oh, say, like yeah. the some the king's got a thief locked up in his dungeon, and he's stolen some stuff, stolen the royal jewels. So they make them into a gas spore, they burst them open, and now some poor idiots have to ingest him to try and get the memory of where he put it. <laughs> yeah. Or is like an interrogation tactic. It's like, you can tell us what you know, or we can spore you and, and yeah. <laughs> get it anyways. Yeah. So. yeah. And then have you ever seen um, A Field in England? Uh, no. It's a, it's a black and white film from like 2015 or something um about some deserters from the english civil war who like run off into a field and they get into some um misadventures involving this guy who's i think the gist of it he's trying to find some like holy relic buried in this field but he uh press gangs these other guys to work for him including this one guy who's like has magical ability but he's not as powerful as the villain so the villain like doses him with a heroic amount of uh magic mushrooms and then uses him as like a divining rod <laughs> by like keeping him on a leash and he's just like freaking out running around so you could do the same with like a spore sniffer yeah you like freak out the thief you're like look at look at this guy we got on deck you've given him so many spores that he's just like in a perpetual like uh dream hound <laughs> he's like some weird feral feral dude on a leash yeah he's a feral dude on a leash but every once in a while he'll be like everything's the mendelbrot set man it's all fractals (laughs) you know some classic classic mushroom insights yeah it's fractal frank yeah the uh next mushroom the next um i have to make a distinction between mushroom and fungus i don't have to actually but what i'm trying to do is distinguish um the fungi from the myconoids yeah who are mushroom people that will get to uh sometime yeah so we're trying to stick with uh the things themselves you know yeah shrieker man-sized mushroom um yeah they are i think a really good classic dungeon complication because you don't see it coming there's no uh, mechanical way to determine that any given mushroom is a shrieker there's no it just says that they like one of their abilities is that they look like other mushrooms, whereas the gas spore, it has like a perception target difficulty rating or uh, whatever, a target number you can roll against to determine that it's not beholder. But these ones, a shrieker, uh, you don't get a chance, which is harsh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's also terrifying. You're, you're, you're walking through a cave and there's mushrooms everywhere and then just suddenly <laughs> some of them scream. 
Yeah. And do you, I imagine the way you put it, I imagine them sh- like screaming like a person. A little bit. Yeah. But I suppose they could make yeah, all kinds of noises. I mean, they're cultivated. So you can, um, you can make them do anything if you just explain that they've been cultivated to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make a shrieker pipe organ. <laughs> so every key on the organ stimulates a different shrieker that I've, I've, <laughs> I've raised to have a different pitch. And so I, I play this giant cave fungus flute. as an instrument. <laughs> I'm going to make a bard. And that's my instrument, and I just, I, it, I, I gotta stay in the cave. And the whole game is about managing your musical career. Yeah. <laughs> it's, we, it's tricky, because I can't tour. I gotta yeah. bring people to me. You have to I'm stationary, do a lot so. of social media. It's like a Vegas act. Yeah. You can make them do, uh, you can do like a crazy light show. It's easy to, uh, easy to make. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's all kinds of bioluminescent mushrooms yeah there's all kinds of mushrooms out there this is what i mean like you can make them whatever you want a mushroom to do or like if yeah they're basically like like if you had to think of a trap you'd have to kind of you don't have to get into it too much but like it it's helpful to think about the physical mechanisms that make something do what they do so that players can interact with it and have like a meaningful interaction but if you just explain something is a is a fungus you don't have to explain anything else yeah because fungus they do fungus can do anything like uh they there there are fungus that uh just turn ants into zombies they oh, mind yeah. control ants and yeah. get them to get eaten by birds to spread the spores around uh there's mycelium networks that are basically they communicate with trees and so you you like they're like a forest <laughs> in this like invisible little strand of little strings all around the ground uh like the whole thing has an awareness of what's going on so like there's you could have like a physical space that the space itself knows that you're in there and there's like slime molds that that can there's a there's a fungus for everything so you can have an entire adventure and for sure any weird thing that's going on is there probably not only will your players believe you if you're like no it's it's just a fungus there's also a real world yeah or at least like a a basis probably somewhere like a there's a bill the the basic yeah. version of the advanced one you're including in your game is like that's real. Yeah, that um the yeah. tree thing is interesting because it's like uh trees actually depend on fungus to distribute nutrients and in fact yeah. there's evidence to suggest that stronger trees will redirect nutrients to struggling trees in their vicinity, which is a great example of like um uh, this is uh, this is this is a little soapbox I get on sometimes. Everyone always thinks of like Darwinian natural mm-hmm. selection of like might makes right like selfishness stuff, but there are so many examples of like no, it's it's like the community minded sort of like altruistic thing that actually gives you the better odds for survival, and the selfishness gets selected out, the 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 over competitiveness gets selected out in cer- certain circumstances. But like sort of mutual aid situations outlast more competitive ones, and so uh, uh, Darwinian thinking, Darwin isn't like it's evolution isn't something you do; it's something that happens, anyways. You know, but it, you you could look at it though as the uh, the trees as a species or as a, a community group are out competing other things for survival, other other communities. Yeah, like if you look at like one ant. Yeah colony as like a single entity it'll compete with other ant colonies but even within its yeah but within itself it'll help its like weakest members that's true to to bolster the health of the of the population as a whole yeah yeah you could you could use that into um i mean just made me think of like a like a you could have underground internet you could have under dark internet basically (laughs) yeah the wood wide web you said that too quickly did you have that pre I didn't. I didn't. I didn't come up with that. I did. Yeah. No. No. I. Yeah. I came in with that. I knew I was going to say that at some point on the podcast. I was like, Oh yeah, the mycelium networks, the wood wide web, and I. I can't take any credit for that. Well, yeah. Well, I love it. I love it. It works really well. It's basically what it is. You can make it like like anything they do or touch like reverberates or is somehow transferred. Like I can see the drow doing this, making it so that like whatever. Yeah. They have like an area yeah. kind of 
full of cultivated fungus that will somehow transmit the like tactile information of whatever is treading on them through the network and it'll pop into some drow priestess's head or fungus slave. Um, uh, <laughs> talk and talking about like a like a fungus network in terms of D and I gotta bring up um, in another D and D podcast called Not Another D and D Podcast. It's an actual play one um, with a bunch of uh, you know actors from from College Humor are doing it. But anyways, the DM Brian Murphy uh, has this great idea where there's there's the wood elves are basically crick elves, mm-hmm. and then they have a lot of like fungus in their stuff. Uh, so they have um the fungal network is uh like an actual like ne- like a series of tubes they can use to travel like from the demi plane that they live on and other areas and so they use fungus to travel between a pocket dimension and everywhere else and then there's deep dragons that have fungus all over them and they got rapport spores and which are are basically you can get yourself infected with a little bit of fungus and then you can uh you can use the message cantrip over any distance. So you're, you're telepathically connected to everybody else. If you got the rapport spores on you and there's a whole faction of like fungus themed dragons and elves. Uh, that makes perfect sense. That's that great. Podcast. Yeah. Which is a great way to use fungus. Yeah. That, that ties yeah. into like their, their biological functions that we are learning more and more about um, and extrapolates it into magic uses, which is like not hard to, make that leap because it's incredible that those things do what they do and the like traveling between dimensions it ties into all the the yeah. like psychedelic uh you want if you want to get into what like hallucinating is and what what having like a, a profoundly hallucinatory experience uh, with these like psychedelic mushrooms can do for you it is sort of it, you could yeah. um i don't think you could argue that you go somewhere else uh, in a rational empirical way but in a spiritual and in in many like cultural groups uh religiously it is like a truth that you are brought somewhere else yeah well and something i always like to think about is like really like the word dimension like another dimension that comes from like mathematics and physics and a dimension is just like a number you need to know to say where something is um uh but like we don't necessarily have a way to measure every kind of number, right? Like there's that line from Hamlet, like there's more things on heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. So, you know, like just because there's no... Yeah, but William Shakespeare wasn't a mathematician. Yeah, that's true, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> but I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is um, uh, what you're flipping between when you say you're going to another dimension uh, uh, could be you're just on drugs or it could be that there's something that we don't know about, but I like to not jump to conclusions when I don't know things. It's like, no, no, there's a weird thing we don't know. Yeah. So what's true is probably something bonkers that we couldn't even think of. It's probably not the weird thing that we can think of probably true, but yeah. it's probably something so weird that we haven't thought of it yet. That's what, that's where my mind, the, uh, the, the, the rational, uh, like not counterpart to this or like the, there's a possible like scientific backbone to that and i don't have a source which is the most scientific (laughs) source of all but i remember reading from an article that psilocybin mushrooms um, a big part of what they do is they inhibit something in your brain some chemical 
I might even re-edit this and talk about it <laughs> on my when I'm alone uh, and make it sound conversational. But it's it it uh, turns off the part of your brain that lets you block your perception. And I'm going to keep talking about it, and I'll ref- refine what yeah. I mean as I go. So it's like when you when you are looking and you're perceiving and you're feeling and you're smelling and you're hearing, you're taking in a yeah. ton of data, and your mind has uh, uh, uses like an automatic filter to select what it thinks is the most important right now, and focusing all of your resources on just those things, right? Yeah. But when that filter is turned off you then you you all of everything you're you're perceiving kind of hits you at once and your mind is allowed to make like nonstop connections between things which is why you get stuck looking at the pattern of a rug right. or something because you are you are seeing everything your mind isn't filtering any particular part of it out and it's not stopping you from making it's like, oh, this reminds me of this. It reminds me of this. It reminds me of this. It's nothing is being stopped short so that you don't go on these crazy tangents. So it's allowing you to make these insane connections. So maybe by not having that filter, you are getting a peek at whatever you want to call it, whatever like truth is actually there that we just aren't able to perceive yeah. normally. Yeah. And it's not a truth. It's maybe not like a profound truth, but it is like a, uh, it's a punch in the gut. It is like a an opening up of a cliff yeah. in front of you. And like it's worth keeping in mind that like what you perceive with your senses in day-to-day, like uh un un um modified consciousness uh is like a model of reality that your brain is building on your sense data. You're not just directly perceiving reality. So uh it's of course you could do something in your brain to like model that reality differently. And there's uh Who's to say? Who's to say what's more accurate? And a lot of that, um, I don't know what you said. Just reminded me of something I just read in the book, "Fear of a Black Universe" by Stefan Alexander, and he's a physicist. And I can't remember the name of the other physicist he was talking to, but he was talking to another physicist who was like a mentor of his, who worked with Stephen Hawking. And this other physicist was like, "Hey, man, you got to keep a dream journal. Here's why. I s- secretly spent the last ten years you." Uh, studying like Jungian um, uh, archetypes and I trained myself to perform physics equations in my dreams because when you're dreaming a similar thing happens you you your brain doesn't have the same uh, sort of like filtering thing there uh, and specifically when you're dreaming you don't have the filter when you like when you're awake in waking life you generally have like a filter like an anti-paradox filter your brain is like well no that can't like something can't be purplish yellow. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Uh, you can't have a tri a triangular square. That's crazy. Because because like normally when there's a paradox, that's a clue that you're you're actually missing a detail. And it's a good survival technique to not be like overwhelmed and confused all the time. So your brain filters out paradoxes, which makes it harder to think extremely abstractly with like twenty different variables. And so this physicist taught himself to do physics equations in his dreams so that he could think more abstractly without being held back by um sort of like the enforced logic of like your brain in waking life and he was able to solve some pretty important uh problems in quantum physics by writing down the equations he remembered dreaming when he was dreaming about equations you know and so you just got to turn off some parts of your brain sometimes and then you can learn more true things about the universe that your brain exists in so shriekers huh <laughs> it's a yeah. mushroom that yells <laughs> you know not not all mushrooms went to university yeah. and that's okay I, you know it probably makes a pretty uh, decent it's, living you know, it's a it's a scam anyways should be free yeah shrieker had a lot of kids when, when they were young got to yeah. support them genuinely speechless about that uh whole thing uh, but we gotta yes, we gotta thank press you for on. indulging my wild tangent <laughs> i haven't done anything in my dreams i tried uh i tried keeping a dream journal I keep crashing cars and the world runs out of friction. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm always. The world yeah, runs out of friction. Everything's me included, slipping and sliding all over the place. That's, that's what I keep dreaming about. <laughs> 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 Who knows what that means? That's a good uh, fungus monster, though. Oh, frictionless. Yeah. Some kind of slime mold. Those are fungus. 
Yeah, that it just has like an impermeable um, gooey membrane that you can't get oh, a hold yeah. of. And you know, there'd be a pretty easy way to do the the stats for that is because um, I think in the Eberron book, there's a way to make stats for living spells. Like you, you turn a spell into a monster. Right. And if you just took the spell Grease yeah. and gave it some hit points and oh, a yeah. speed and a stat block, then you got, you, got your, you got your slime mold zone, baby. I think it's funny. I think mold is a different entry. Oh, yeah. Even. Which makes sense, uh, even though they are like the similar like layman's yeah. category, but they're entirely well, different oozes organisms. Are monstrous? There's a whole category of oozes, oozes and slimes, yes. and I think those are either yes. aberrations or their own thing. I think they're their own thing. But the closest thing in reality to them are slime molds, uh, which are real things on Earth. But then all the fungus are categorized as plants, and that's a whole other thing. That's a Plant. whole other problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole other thing. It's a whole other problem. And it's even described. I even when I said it out loud on this on at the beginning of the show, I was like, "Plant." Yeah, it's just made out of a plant. Like they're really they're really testing you sometimes <laughs> with this these things. But do they not know? Um, I guess I it's it's not fair to me to be like, so do, do they not know that it's nerds that play D anD D? Because it's it's all kinds of people. But like <laughs> like surely somebody at Wizards of the Coast could be like. I, you know, maybe people are going to be like weirdly nitpicky about what we call things, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I imagine this was a big fight. Yeah. Because they had to be like, okay, look, a fungus, what is it? What category is it? It's not an ooze. <laughs> right. And then do you make a whole it's not a plant category? Do we make a whole other category for like these yeah. three things? They did it for the ooze, I guess. Mm. But like plant is close enough. And just hope no science nerd ever yeah, reads. Or, you know, or that they would maybe assume that, like, you know what, the science nerd is going to get that we had constraints, or <laughs> maybe they'll give us a charitable read. Yeah. I don't know, man. But the violet yeah. fungus, yeah. the third one, um, you mentioned giving like a, a movement speed to uh, the living spell Grease as fungus. The violet fungus can move and it can walk at five feet. A turn it's got uh it walks around slowly on its root legs four appendages like tentacles lash out and do necrotic damage and then <clears throat> pardon me and then a new violet fungus grows in a couple of days from from whatever it killed it also looks indistinguishable from other mushrooms for these three um these three mushrooms have been around since uh ad and d it's kind of bonkers to me that they've if they've ever invented new ones they've never stuck around because these are the only three lots of like mushroom style yeah. things like the yeah. myconoids but they were like satisfied with they're like nailed it back in the day the violet fungus looked like shriekers and they were often in mixed groups uh oh do you think that would mean that they were next to each other in the book oh no <laughs> no they were not the violet Violet fungus was under F for fungus. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the shrieker is under S okay. for shrieker. And the gas war was under G. <laughs> oh, it's like violet fungus was like a name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the violet fungus was way more dangerous too, but it was in an undefined way. It says one hit will melt flesh unless you use cure diseased in one round. Like within wow, the round. That's giving so much power to the DM. Yeah. Maybe I didn't read it right. And maybe there's some mechanism that that means, but I don't. Uh, there's a flesh that's melting all table somewhere. <laughs> yeah, probably. And then the AD&D gas spore is the same, but a little bit different. It automatically infects anything with exposed skin. So there's no roll. There's no con save, but it will only kill them in 24 hours instead of a D12 plus con. So I think this is the rare case where a fifth edition monster is actually more lethal than the old school one. Yeah. Unless you didn't know. Barring the con save. The con save is 15, yeah, which is fairly a, high. So I think it's still... Yeah, that's a tricky one. And yeah. I mean, unless you walked into the room with exposed skin and somehow didn't know that you were exposed and then a day later in game just died. But that, that would be a terrible, terrible unfun way to die. Yeah. <laughs> Should have rolled for perception that room a month ago. Yeah. The DM's like, you should have wore a plastic bag like I told you to. And then the Shrieker um, is the same, except they can walk around like a violet fungus. So they, because they're all this looking exactly the same. 
and they have an explicit 50% chance of attracting a wandering monster. And there's no mention of cultivation. Right. So it was just kind of meant, I think mechanically, its whole, its whole idea was that it would just uh, trigger a wandering monster chance because it was like expected that you would encounter wandering monsters and yeah. you would have to try to manage your time management. You would have to implement time management and uh, like risk be be sort of risk averse because you could accidentally run into more dangerous encounters than you wanted to. So this was just like a way of making that even more dangerous rather than like fitting it narratively into some other creature's lair by being a cultivated thing. Yeah. And it mentions that they are the preferred food of purple, uh, preferred food of purple worms and shambling mounds. Right. In case you wanted to Great. use one of those. I could see that uh, that would be a good way to get a bunch of people swallowed by a purple worm. <laughs> yep. If you want to do it inside the purple worm adventure. Yeah, even like a purple worm hunt, even. You yeah. Know? You'd try to try to track down these mushrooms. Oh yeah. Like the like the thumpers in Dune. Yeah. Worm sign. Yeah. Even in yeah, there you go. In Dune, the spice are basically like dried mushrooms. Oh yeah. You could say. So you gotta get a purple worm to digest your shriekers and get your hands on that? Oh man. Oh buddy. You'll be able oh. to uh Oh buddy. You'll be able to um successfully navigate hyperspace or whatever it does for the navigators i can't remember i think that's what it does yeah it lets you uh turn into a worm freak yeah yeah a big and then you can uh, guide fly through the stars and that gives you that lets you do math fast enough to uh to fly a spaceship yeah let's do that secret math that that, that guy was doing in his dreams yeah <laughs> do dream math you gotta do the dream math so i wanted to briefly talk about what um what what fungus like, how does it make you feel? What's the hook of, like, why fungus? Why do we, why is fungus so popular in, like, dungeon games and in the general science fiction, like, pop culture? I think it is, along with some, like, deep sea life, it is something that is, like, a part of nature. It's, we can see it on Earth, but it just, like, when you look at it closely and you think about it, it seems really alien, you know? Yeah. Like I think there's a reason why like in uh in, in Morrowind, instead of trees, it was giant mushrooms replaced the trees and everything was like fungus based there because it was supposed to feel like this different sort of place. Also I think it's easier to animate mushrooms. But um uh <laughs> you know, less polygons. But I think that's 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 kind of like that's gotta be part of it, right? Is that there's something about it that just seems like somebody made it up, but it's real, you know? Yeah, I think it, I think it's a big part of it. Yeah. I think to go going along with that, it's sort of um it's like w- one step past mushrooms, you get into like Lovecraftian cosmic horror. Yeah. Where you like mushrooms suggest that the world is so much more than your normal experience. Then you get like down into the dirt of like slime and ooze and stuff like that. These things that are alive but share like nothing with you have totally different desires and goals and living conditions. Yeah. And like if the world, like if they were smarter, they would convert the world into something like where you and I couldn't live in. Well, and there was a while during the Cambrian period when all plant and animal life was in the ocean, but the only life that was on land was fungus. There was a yeah, while. Yeah, like mammoth fungus, yeah, right? Yeah, giant mushrooms and huge, crazy things and like all kinds of stuff probably under the soil. And um, uh, yeah, and so like all of the other, you know, life, all the plants and animals, it was still underwater. And this is when like, this is before fish. This is when it was like all kinds of weird crustaceans all over the place, right? And seagrass all and, 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 and but like the land would have just been mushrooms. And just imagine that, like there's no, unless... And the weird thing is, like, mushrooms don't leave a great, a lot of fungus doesn't leave, like, a great fossil record. So we don't really know how old it is. Like, slime molds, that's not going to fossilize. Yeah. If It's probably been around the whole time. So there's no, there's no reason to think there was fungus that was, like, moving around like an animal. But, so it's, so it, uh, <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll think it I'll, is. I'll think about it anyways. But also, I like to think about just, like, how weird and still the surface of this entire planet was for like a hundred million years 
when it was just fungus on land and all the other life was underwater, you know? Yeah. Yeah. interest which is like mushrooms being around for so long um like were they here first when did they get here did they there's there's like conspiracy theory people i don't know if it's conspiracy theory i don't know what it is it's like stuff that hippies will tell you that might be in an article somewhere but that like mushrooms arrived from a meteor impact like spores on a meteor hit the earth right um and then the mushrooms were able to survive and then provided a baseline of like organic material for more complicated creatures to emerge from the water from the ocean to then exploit and then become what we've become now yeah i mean i'm not a mycologist <laughs> i i'm not going to say that that's impossible but it would just be weird because they do have dna so if that is what happened then um that's probably not what yeah, happened. Yeah, that's probably not what happened. There, there just seems probably like it would be a, But yeah. this is something I've heard from yeah. more than one source. Well, I've also have heard. Read. I don't, I don't, yeah. Yeah. And there's also I don't believe about... that's what happened, but that's <laughs> yeah. a very, it's a very like evocative thought. It is. Oh, it absolutely is. I was just trying to work through. It's like, okay, so then that would mean that like DNA structured with molecules the way it is on Earth. Is that the way it has to be in all life? Oh, wait, there's RNA on Earth too. Let's go, you know. <laughs> And so I was just thinking about like uh, I was yeah. trying to Occam's razor it, and it's like, nah, it doesn't doesn't. I was pass sending you down a spiral. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that did remind me of like the other theory about mushrooms and evolution, and that um, human tool use started around the same time that our ancestors. Uh, and this is like this is like tens of millions of years ago, uh, maybe even a hundred million years ago. This is like hominid times, like pre-Homo sapiens sapiens, but like tool use among our ancestors started when they um started uh eating psilocybin mushrooms and like that kicked off um the evolution of our brains which is a less crackpot theory than uh mushrooms or aliens from space yeah that's one i've heard as well yeah and it's like and i was go ahead oh i was just gonna say it's tricky with with any kind of evolutionary science whether it's like evolutionary biology or or psychology specifically i mean unless there's like a fossil record it's really hard to make these sort of claims because they're not falsifiable you know like yeah it's it, it'd be really hard to like how would you prove that that's wrong definitively is there yeah, a way you to can't do, really yeah, you can't so and that's why people stretch the mushroom thing into being like like there's a there's a segue from mushrooms into like ancient alien yeah and uh mushrooms as angels yeah it's a whole thing yeah but i want to i want to try and keep some of that for the the mycanoid yeah the, the human fungus relationship the is, a, is a mycanoid thing. alien pipeline <laughs> yeah yes yeah um another important thing about the mushroom the the fungus is as a a parasite and predator or as like a thing that lives off of other things which has found a lot of purchase in the imagination. Yeah. Because it's like a, it's a, it's a sort of parasite that it seems like there's almost no defense for if it wants to go airborne. Yeah. Which is something that's been captured in like, uh, in The Last of Us. And mm-hmm. I think, if I remember correctly, uh, The Girl with All the Gifts. Right. Which was a book and a film had the same thing, I think, or a similar thing, where it's mushroom people spreading a zombie like virus. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's like, it's sort of like the, the force of nature that we can't really control. We can control a lot of other things and we can conceive of ways of controlling a lot of different styles of zombie outbreak. But if you want a natural type of zombie story, then a fungus is like, uh, again, it's one of those things, there's a basis for it. Yeah. It's not out of the question. Well, yeah. And like mechanically, I can... Like the Last of Us style mushroom zombie, I can see how, yeah, the mycelia network looks a lot like a nervous system. I could see it integrating yeah. with that. The fruiting body coming out of the head. Because the mushroom, the part that you see, that's just like the fruiting body. That's just like the flower. That's just like an apple yeah. coming out of the ground, basically. That's like five, that, that can be like a minuscule fraction yeah. of the actual biomass. What's the real thing is like these microscopic strings that are everywhere in the soil, you know? Yeah. So it's sort of like a like an environmental revenge that we're sort of afraid of, I think. Yeah. Like the happening, but instead of plants, it's mushrooms. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. That was the movie, right? The I'm Not Shyamalan one? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I've never seen it, but I've right. talked about it a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's very quotable for like a not that good movie. It's got a lot of good lines in it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. If you want, if you want a couple out of context, <laughs> having not seen the movie. <laughs> give, me, give me one. Me? No, man. No. <laughs> Look, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and when was you that see your Marky it, Mark that, impression? That's, that's that's yeah, that's Marky. That's Marky Mark. Um uh I think in the movie being genuine, but with his acting, it's so sarcastic yeah. uh that it's really hard to figure out what's going on in that scene. He was probably again, haven't seen it, but I imagine he was given like an impossible task. He was a woman had taken him in during the uh, plant apocalypse, and then she uh, is like a southern woman, and she uh, she says, "Well, why are you eyeing my lemon drink, boy?" And he's he wasn't eyeing her lemon drink, so <laughs> he's he's defending himself. I don't know why that movie. It's 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 that's a comedy movie to me. It's it's got some very funny lines. It's very strange. <laughs> it's neither here nor there. It'd be a better movie if it was about fungus. Yeah. I it's definitely on my list. Yeah. I found a weird description of a, uh, a fungal personality from like a weird uh, holistic psych ma magazine. All right. Yeah. What's that I will that read now? Me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fungal personality. The person is stagnant with beliefs that do not work. His past controls his day-to-day -day life. The individual clings to the past and gathers moss, i.e. develops fungi. Fungi infections are parasite infections. The word parasite is essential in this context. If the person allows parasites to affect him, it means that the he is not centered, that he cannot be firm with other people. Someone around him is a parasite trying to take advantage of him. The person is stuck in the past and past beliefs, and so he cannot deal as firmly and effectively as he should with the one who is sucking his energy and acting like a vampire. Yeah, I don't know about that. There's a difference between a vampire and a and and fungus. Yeah, most fungal uh, parasite. I don't know if you can call it a parasite. Most most fungus that interacts with other animals uh, does so to the benefit of both. Yeah, you know there are some um, like predatory um, fungus species, but like the ones that that hang out with trees, that it's all it's all everyone wins. Yeah, but again, I think that's like this fear of like fear of another creature taking what you got has infiltrated the holistic society yeah <laughs> unfortunately oh i have a bunch of um some some uh notable mushroom species oh yeah nice that we can we can get through quickly maybe um we have the wood ear mushroom notable because they look like ears and that freaks people out yeah and there's a whole speaking of holistic medicine again there's a whole side of holistic medicine there's a whole thing in it a whole thread that says um, a fruit or like a food is shaped like whatever body part it's meant to help. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't found anything about that to do with the ear, the, the wood ear mushroom, but I was thinking in a dungeon, you could like have fungus do certain things. Like if you ate like a, there's like an ear fungus and if you eat it, it can give you a higher perception. Right. Yeah. And if you want to make it do something bad, it can like lower your charisma because you get all like weird. It like messes up your nervous system. So right. your, your face twitches or yeah. like or you get real uh, stoned, but you can hear everything. You can create all kinds of like weird trade-offs for people to play with. Um, there's a turkey tail because it looks like a loaf of turkey tails. You could make a, a mushroom that looks like 
I don't know, body parts of a certain known creature and freak people out. Yeah. I don't know what you could do with that. Or just a mushroom that looks like a whole turkey. <laughs> like, what's a turkey doing down here? And then, uh, yeah. yeah. And just do, put that in a dungeon and then never explain it. Never explain it. Yeah. Just keep people guessing. Yeah. It's yeah. just life, man. Yeah. Life finds a way. There's the lobster mushroom, which is actually a mold that attacks mushrooms and takes them over and turns them into a weird bright red lobster tail thing. Uh, bleeding tooth yeah. is a freaky one to look up. It oozes a red sap. Um, and in this case, it, it can actually be used to help with blood clotting. So there's an example of something that looks like something actually helping. Hey, yeah. Um, lion's mane, which is one you can find in some grocery stores. It uh, looks like a big, when it's intact, it looks like a big mane and has lots of like brain uh, benefits, brain boosting capabilities, allegedly. And then cordyceps, which you already mentioned, which is the ones that infect insects and make them climb really high and get eaten by birds yeah. and, and sprout spore bodies that explode from high places and spread like that. I call it the Hollywood fungus because when that national, I think it was National Geographic, that thing dropped in like 15 years ago or yeah. something. Yeah. And when it did, I swear to God, like this is the reason we have, certainly it's the reason we have Last of Us. Oh, for like sure. the people that made that show yeah. or that game are like, were probably our age, saw that same video and then like carried it with them yeah. forever. Because <laughs> that is wild that that's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like fair. It broke. It's that's crazy. It broke my mind at the time. It's true body horror. Um, in a game, it's very, it's a good way to get a bunch of like different humanoids into the same room. You can have like a room full of like, there's an orc and a human and an elf and a, what, you know, the rest. Yeah. And they're all like working. They're all just like dumb, uh, fungus filled guardians for like some dumb little mushroom that you wouldn't have even noticed. Oh, I like, I do like the idea of a very innocuous looking mushroom being the master mushroom. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little like three inch long mushroom just hanging just out in the corner little, little button mushroom little portobello <laughs> in the corner there yeah <laughs> uh there's the devil's fingers which are four to eight giant tendrils that are blood red and they smell like rotting meat are they good for finger health no okay. they don't actually look like fingers oh, either. okay but they're the Not devil's fingers devil. you see <laughs> so they're, yeah. they're good for the devil's fingers yeah, you should only eat it if you've, the devil's fingers have arthritis or whatever. Um, the meat, the smell attracts insects who then spread the spores, which is a very common uh, mushroom tactic. The veiled lady, which is a delicate white netting surrounding the body, which attracts insects to it. Same thing. That's like a net. You could use like a you could have a mushroom with a net. Oh yeah, let you fill in, fill in the blanks there, and then uh, bioluminescent, which again attracts insects. Um, all kinds of uses. Yeah, use it instead of a torch. Yeah, use it instead of torch, street lighting, um, insect attracting as well. Yeah. So you can make it be like a risk. So like the more you use it, the more oh, higher yeah. chance you're gonna attract like enemies. Bad insect broves. And then you got your predaceous or carnivorous fungus, um, which are there's a there's a there are many different kinds. They mostly eat uh nematodes. Um there's one, there's there are a few species that eat um this specific insect that's very small, but that's the biggest thing that they they attack, yeah. I think. Um, and they have two two main methods. One is stunning them, so they'll actually like if an insect like touches some specific part of it, it like stuns it somehow. And the other one is a is a trap and the ring trap. So it's like it the mushroom creates like a a, a, a ringed structure. And then when something wanders into it, when a nematode wanders into it, it suddenly inflates the rings to three times its size and crushes it. Damn. And then the fungus grows a little digesting, little uh, digesting pokers into it and like disassembles it from the inside. Yeah. I'm going to look up how that's how they stun. I, I watched a video on it once and it was insane. I would. But I can't remember how it did it. I, my guess, I'm guessing. I'm guessing it's like a, like a neurotoxin. But it could be something crazy. Like how does it, how does it get the neurotoxin into the creature for, at the, in the first place? Yeah. That's the question. Does it like strike it like a scorpion? I don't think so. But it does like tap into it somehow. Ah, uh, yeah. And then the big one you mentioned, the, uh, there is a species of honey mushroom, big giant honey mushroom, yeah. Armillaria ostoyae, 
It was discovered in 1998. Um, the new record holder for the world's largest known organism formerly belonged to a 110-foot-long, uh, 200-ton blue whale. But this fungus is... Where is it here? So they found a fungus. It's believed to be anywhere between 2,400 years old, but could be as old as 8,650 years. Yeah. Um, where's the... Where's the size of it? I thought I wrote down the size of it. It is, I think, it's like 200 acres. Yeah. Holy moly. Fungus. Yeah, I can't. I can't find. It. I'll try to. I'll maybe insert it later. But the. Uh, yeah, they were. The, they they covered a whole swath and discovered that it was genetically similar. It was genetically identical, meaning it was the same organism. Yeah. And it's been hanging out there just because of a good combination of like it has good solid genes and it's a stable environment and it's been um, hanging out in uh, Oregon, Eastern Oregon. Man. I wonder, I don't know, with stuff like that old, I wonder even, like, is there anything that it's like to be a mushroom, you know? Yeah. Like, does it have an experience? I wonder about that. Impossible to say yeah, of anything, yeah. of anyone. I'll just stick my head into it. I'll let the spores come into my brain. Just take me. Yeah. yeah. Just put me into your fungal network. Show me what you've seen. It's a bunch of, bunch of dirt. You could probably taste dirt. Yeah, very well. Um, so there's lots more to do with fungus, but it borders, it gets into, there's lots to do with like the human fungus interaction, which I want to save. Um, but I will bring up uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie because oh, yeah. in it, Bowser has turned the, the king of the mushroom kingdom into fungus yeah. that has spread all over the entire city. Right, yeah. And there's like the whole place is just dripping with this like snot. So it's more of a slime mold, but it is, it's supposed to be a fungus and it's all connected and it all is the king. If I'm remembering this right, I just watched it like two years ago. I think it's not good. No, it's not. But, but it is uh, yeah. something else. It's a trip. It's but it's also an example of uh, like I feel like there's a whole bunch of movies that, that, that came out in the 80s, right? Or early um, 90s late 80s anyways in the late 1993 80s, 1993 well i feel like there was a a, a, a like a, a run of time from like the late 80s to the early 90s where the villain of uh every single movie was a specific type of like vain rich asshole uh, uh -huh. that i just i just feel like there was there was like an entire 10 year run of movies that were specifically warning us about the uh, the the someday Donald Trump, which think of might might have been like just a Ronald Reagan response to that type yeah. of guy, but I think the 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 dude wasn't King Koopa in the the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, yeah, it, it's I don't know, it's uncanny to me. Yeah, he's definitely a, a blustery uh, tyrant. Yeah, there is something there, but uh, it's hard to imagine. I can't. It's just really funny imagining Donald Trump watching this movie and being like. This is the way. This is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. Well, his fungus plot never really worked out. So, <laughs> who Trumps? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't work. That's why. Yeah. That's why we don't talk about it anymore. Oh, the the king. So he wasn't. The king was de-evolved into fungus. Oh, right. <laughs> that was the whole. That was the idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was like into a primordial slime. Except that's they just called it fungus without ever really. Yeah. It's not really clear. Like a fungus is a whole life cycle of creature it produces a mushroom, which is the whole. This is the whole Mario connection. But in the movie, it's just this completely gross, like fleshy snot uh, slime that's just like attached to everything but it does um it helps them it brings them things it brings them like a little bomb yeah and whenever it can it's like it's like it it moves stuff to uh to help them so that's something game gameable yeah you have a, a benevolent uh fungal network that is like slowly bringing you things to help yeah yeah like uh like bombs like bombs yeah like bombs yeah you can always bombs and mushrooms that make you grow larger yeah yeah and okay, you know if well, you well yeah. i guess one one last thing is there's always yeah if you want to really go ham on mushrooms in uh your D, &D game there's a circle of spores druid there's a whole character class oh yeah 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 it's popular mushrooms are popular fungus is popular yeah everyone's doing it so there's, there's got to be a reason everyone's doing it get in get in on the mushroom Getting well, it's hot. Yeah. It's as hot as it's going to be. Okay. 
next time, we go into the Galeb Dur. Galeb Dur. Galeb Dur? Yeah. Galeb Dur. Galeb Dur. Galeb Dur. Let's go with that one. Galeb Dur. Little Rock Boy. Yeah, next time we're talking to Little Rock Boys uh, here on Monster Manual Mash. And? Uh, and, uh, w- uh, <laughs> what do we normally do here? <laughs> you have you have a thing you say. At M- Monsters Away. Right? Yeah, man. All right. Nailed it. Great. Monster Manual Mash is Christopher Lawson and Wes Grist. Edited by me, Chris Lawson. Find me on Twitter at Chris M. Lawson. Music by Wes, a.k.a. Elias. You can find more of his music on bandcamp.com slash Elias. That's numeral zero L-I-A-S. It's not a hacker thing, it's just what was available. Thanks to Sarah B. Milner for our logo. You can find her editing for Slash Film and on Twitter at Sarah B. Milner. Thanks to everyone listening and to everyone talking monsters on the Monster Manual Mash Facebook group. Monsters to you.